Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Wednesday night they're expecting so uh, so that's exciting and uh, are we praying for a boy or a girl Jesse does it matter girl oh Lord help us all if we have a if she has a girl uh, y'all better pray for Woody that's all I got to say his life will be wrecked forever and ever and ever in the best way in the best way yes it will they've already got a fun individual in Luke. He cracks me up. Oh, man. That's what he does. All oh, man. All the time he cracks me up. He shrugs his... Sh- anyway, uh, it's, it's fun to see that happen, and we're excited for them. We are wrapping up a series this morning. Some of y'all are glad I'm out, getting out of this series because this has been one of those tough ones. Uh, we've been talking about lists, the fact that lists are a part of life. Um, I have lists on paper. I have lists on my phone. How many of you downloaded Evernote last week? Nobody? Y'all missing out. Evernote's the best application ever known to mankind. You can make lists about your lists and search your list. It's great. It's an incredible app, and it's free, and you ought to get that one. And uh, So anyway, uh, how many of you all week long were participating in the booster band, watching your feed? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, some of y'all still don't know what that's called, and so I hope you watched your feed. But we've been talking about this list that Solomon, I'm so thankful that Solomon gave us this list. Uh, a lot of people don't even know this list exists, but it does, and I'm thankful that he gave us this list because what he, in essence, does is he tells us how to get on God's good side by telling us how to, how to stay off of God's bad side. How many of you prefer God's good side? How many of you have ever tasted God's bad side? Yeah, just kind of, because you can't move. Okay, okay, some of y'all never been spanked by God, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's not fun. And so you want to avoid the blacklist, this God's blacklist that we've been talking about. Let's go back to it. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, he mentions seven things that God hates. We combined two of them uh, because they're very similar. It says this, there are six things that God hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and then finally a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So Solomon, in his wisdom, drops the H-bomb and says, God hates these seven things. And so we've talked about them. We dealt with proud eyes. We've talked about uh, lying, and that's the one we combined on two different occasions. Two out of the seven, he deals with lying. So God must take lying Uh, pretty seriously because uh, two out of the top seven. There are a lot of other things that Solomon could have mentioned instead of lying twice. He could have just mentioned it once and then chosen something else. But he says God hates lying twice. Then we dealt with heavy hands. And then we dealt with a heart that devises wicked schemes. And so it was, and, and then feet that run to evil. It's interesting to me that he deals with our eyes, our tongues, our hands, our heart, our feet. And now he tops it all off. And number seven, He deals how we deal with family. Uh, Solomon states that like this, God hates it 
when someone stirs up strife or conflict in the community. That's family. I would submit to you that this is probably one of the most painful of the seven to deal with. And here's why. See if this isn't true. The other six you can deal with on your own. You can make personal adjustments to make sure you don't have proud eyes. You can make personal adjustments to make sure you're not lying. You can make personal adjustments to make sure that you're not using your hands wrong. You make sure that your heart is righteous. You can make personal adjustments about where you go. But on number seven, I think this is the most painful one to deal with because if you're going to deal with this one, you've got to bring other people into the mix. I can't get no help in here. So, um, See, if anybody should have been an, an expert on dysfunctional families, Jerry Springer-ready families, it was Solomon. Solomon knew what it was like to have conflict in family. All you got to do is go back and read the history, and you see that from the moment that Solomon was brought onto the scene as uh, the fruit of an adulterous relationship, there was constant strife and turmoil. Absalom rebels. David's daughter is involved in one of the darkest scenes ever recorded in, in, in Scripture, and it's just on and on and on and on and on. Solomon understood conflict in community. And by stating that God hates it when someone stirs up conflict in the community, basically what Solomon is stating to us is that conflict is not God's chosen path for us. And so there's some things I think Solomon understood. Solomon understood and was very clear that if you are going to stay off of God's blacklist, then we got to give peace a chance. All right, all right, all right. Uh, here's, the, here's the dilemma we face. How many of you heard this very young in life? See if you can see if you can complete it. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so we we've lo- we've watched and we've learned that if you squeak loud enough, you get the grease, you get the attention, right? We've also watched and learned and feel compelled then uh, and trained. We've even been trained from a very young age that we gotta fight. For our right, not to party, not to party. I know some of y'all see some of the 80s kids in here do that one, man. We were, you got to fight. No, that's the wrong. No, we were taught that you got to fight for your rights, right? And so what happens then is, I believe, is this, this is what happens. We get saved, and we fail to submit our right to squeak and to fight for our rights. And so then what it does is it results in conflict. So what I would submit to you this morning then is this, is our heart change. If you've had a heart change with Jesus, then what that then does is it also means that you have to have an attitude change about always being right and always getting the attention. Okay, it's quiet in here. Listen, okay, I'm not even, even going to talk to y'all, all right? I'm not talking to y'all. All I'm going to do is... I, in this little point right here, I'm not even going, it's not me. If you don't like what I'm saying, don't get mad at me. I'm just going to read scripture, is that right? I, I very seldom do what I'm getting ready to do. I'm just going to take you just through the New Testament and about seven, six or seven passages. Just going to read them to you. I may make a comment every once in a while because I, I can't help myself. But uh, let me just read. See, see, if this, see if this deals with our right to squeak and our right to be right. 
and our right to cause conflict. So just see. You've got to give peace a chance. Here it is. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. We know this as, blessed are the peacemakers. Right? Let me read it to you out of a different version and see if it helps. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and find your place in God's family. Okay, I'm not talking. Nope. Luke, I want to comment, but I'm not going to. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward will be... From he- your, your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Romans, I'm going to have to talk at some point. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Galatians. I'm trying. Galatians chapter 5 in verse 15 and then 19 through 21. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Okay, i got to stop right here because we like the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Now in Galatians, he gives us the list of the fruit of the flesh. Listen to what he says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, selfish ambition, dissensions, Factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't it interesting? I can't help myself. I got to talk. Isn't it interesting to, to, that, that we always want to focus on that list and we want to point fingers at drunkenness and orgies and, and debauchery and idolatry and sexual immorality and witchcraft, but we never talk about hatred and discord and dissensions and Factions and jealousy. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 2. Be humble and gentle. Does it sound like squeaky? Never mind. Be, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Try always to be led along together by the Holy Spirit, and so be at peace with one another. Another version that says on that, be at peace with one another, says it like this. Be quick at mending fences. And then finally in Hebrews chapter 12, and I finally get to talk. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Work at getting along with each other and with God. I just said a four-letter word in church. Y'all didn't even catch it. Work. 
work at getting along with each other and with God. We, no one ever promised you that getting along with the people sitting around you that God has selected to put into your life and into your family, that it would be easy. Work. 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 The blacklist comes down. The reason we end up on the blacklist comes down to one word. We refuse to work. We got to work at this. We want it to be easy. But God's saying, listen, work at this thing. You're going to have to ignore some stuff about some people you don't like. But that's okay because they're ignoring stuff about you they don't like. You got to work. Then he makes this statement. Listen to this statement, please. Let the profound aspect of this statement saturate your soul and get down into your spirit. And listen to what he says. This is what he says. Work at getting along with others and with God. Otherwise, you will never get so much as a glimpse of God. That is profound. The implications of that statement are absolutely life-shaking. They're profound. If you don't get along with everybody around you and you're not willing to work at it, you will never even get a glimpse of God. Think about that. If we don't get along... You can worship and jump and dance and tithe and never get a glimpse. And yet we'll hold on to grudges for decades. Then he says, make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. We are commanded as children of God to be peaceful. In fact, being peaceful, and if you read just those passages I read, it is very evident that being peaceful is one of the indicators that we are actually sons and daughters of God. Our willingness to pursue peace is the basis for our blessing. We are literally supposed to fight for peace. And a lot of us just fight to fight. It's still interesting to me that people continue, or let me say it like this, that people have never learned the principle of the common denominator in math. Okay? Y'all remember that lesson? We learned it in grade school. It's the common denominator. You remember why we learned that lesson? To deal with what? Fractions. Right? We learned the common denominator principle so that we could figure out how to deal with fractions. Don't get ahead of me. Uh, we learned the common denominator principle to learn how to deal with fractions. Okay, do you know what a fraction is? A fraction, I went and looked it up. I just wanted to make sure. It's a mathematical expression of division. It means fractured. It means things are broken into parts 
so that you can, okay, okay, but I'm still totally blown away that some of us that claim spiritual maturity have never come to grips with the principle of the common denominator, not just in math, because it's not just a math problem, and it's not just a math principle, it's a life principle, and there's a common denominator principle in life, so it just blows me away that so many of us, that everybody we go into relationship with has all these major problems, because it's always them. They're the ones with the issues. They're the ones that can't get along. I, they just driving me crazy. I can't figure it out. They, they, if they would just get their life in order, if they would just live right, if they would just talk right. And everybody we deal with, we find problems with. And there's always chaos. And there's always confusion. And there's always drama. And we will never apply the common denominator principle to our own life and recognize that it, everybody we run into doesn't have problems. They don't have problems. It, there's a common denominator in the equation. And guess who it is? No, it's us. It's us. We want to point the finger at our spouse, and we want to point the finger at our coworker, and we want to point the finger at the teacher at school. They're doing my kids wrong, and I want to point it at my boss, and I want to point it at my neighbor if they'd keep their car out of my driveway, and they'd not let their dog come visit my yard. And, 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 and we never get to the common denominator and recognize that the one that's causing all the chaos and all the turmoil and all the is us. We have forgotten that we have a mandate on our life and a command on our life to live peaceably. Listen, moments of conflict are common to all of us, but constant conflict is a sign of a deep spiritual issue in you. Not everybody else. We've got to give peace a chance. So how do we do that? Because it's not, I, I almost stopped right there at, at, in my preparation and then I realized it's not fair for me to point out that, that some of us have this turmoil in us that we just, we broadcast it on everybody else and blame them and it's us. We got to figure out how to stop this. How do we do, how do we live peaceably? Well, if we're going to live peaceably, then what we got to do is we've got to cut off the, the fuel for feuds. How do we stop having feuds? What, what is driving feuds? Okay, I read it to you. In the passage in Hebrews, I read to you, the last statement says to be very careful and keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. So he kind of hints at what the issue is in our life. But then James comes along, and James, I love James because James was extremely blunt. If you need some bluntness, just read James. He never, he never minces words. He just says it the way it is. And James takes what Hebrews is alluding to, and he becomes very blunt about it. Let me see if, let me see if I can help you. We're trying to cut off the fuel for feuds. What causes us to have this discontent in us that causes us to cause conflict all the time? Here it is. James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what he says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? I love James. Is it not this? He answers his own question. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, 
so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. James is very clear that the fuel for feuds in our is, is literally based on and fueled by our own internal insecurities. Oh, you are quiet this morning. See, what we do is we fail to address and take command of our own desires and our own wants and our own ambitions. And when you pull it down for right down to the bottom line, it's our own jealousy that drives us to conflict. We want what somebody else has, and so jealousy causes us to murder somebody else's reputation and somebody else's dream because we can't have what they have. Okay, y'all were with me until I got to this point. Y'all don't like this one too much. What we do is we, we buy into this concept that if I make them look worse, it will make me look better. And out of my own insecurities, and as I observe all of you and how blessed you are, and I don't like how blessed you are, I, in my own mind, my own insecurities causes me, according to James, to rise up my, my own desires for what you have. It doesn't matter. Put, you fill in the blank. Boy, if I had his wife, would you look at her? If I had her job, if I had their resources, if my kids were like their kids, if my car was like, it doesn't matter. You can fill in the blank. It's all the same. We, we out of our own jealous insecurities, we want what they have. And because we have failed to ask, and then there's some other stuff in there about obeying. Then when we don't get it, we take it upon ourselves. We let our passions run amok. And we, we actually and literally, that is the fuel within us that causes us to fight with them. They may not know we're fighting with them, but we're fighting with them on the inside. I hope they get a divorce. If I can't be happy, they shouldn't be happy. I hope their kids flunk out next semester egotistical maniac. They're not as smart as they think they are. They've been cheating. I know they've been cheating. I hope they get fired. Okay. You, I'm just reading scripture. There are two issues with this mentality. The first one is this. God hates it, according to Solomon, when we do that stuff. Right? Because we know from the New Testament, we're also supposed to what? Prefer one another. So when you get a raise, I should be extremely excited for you. And I'll call you and ask you to take me to lunch. When your kids do well, I will celebrate with you. When your marriage is strong, I'm rooting for you. Actually, I'm praying that your marriage is strong. Okay? You got it? So the first issue is, is that God hates it when we operate that way. And second, the second issue with that is I've already taught you this time and time again. It's what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. And so if you're the one that's tearing them down behind the scenes and, and like putting in little words and, and, and rooting for their destruction, you make destruction happen for somebody else. Guess what, God, okay. But if you make peace happen for somebody else, okay, you're getting it, all right. We've got to cut off the fuel to feuds. 
We've got to examine our own personal insecurities and our own jealousy and our own desire for everybody else to be destroyed so that we can look good. Okay, so third, if we're going to give peace a chance and we're going to cut off the fuel to feuds, this is the part we don't like, and I won't get no amens here. But it's still truth. Whether you amen it or not, it's truth. And that is this. We got to fix feuds. Here's the kicker. It isn't enough just that you recognize that you've caused a feud. Because now you also have the responsibility to end the feud and seek forgiveness. <laughs> oh, shoot. If you don't believe that, then I would suggest that you go read. Oh, man, I feel this. Some of y'all been mad at some folks for a long, long, long time. And you've become okay with that. There's a problem. Solomon declares, you can't live like that. If you don't believe that, you ne- can I suggest to you, I'll read it for you, and then I want you to go home and read it for yourself. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 19. I hate this passage of Scripture. Here it is. Anyone who loves to quarrel... This is severe right here. Anyone that likes to fight loves sin. I didn't say that. Don't look at me like that. I didn't write that. The wisest man that ever lived wrote that. He says, black and white, no embellishment. Anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. Boy, I'm quick. I'm quick-witted. I got a sharp tongue. Used to sit in U.S. history class my senior year, and we'd have cut-down contests. And I'd win them. Until the day, Teddy Hefley, who was about Darren's size, was almost in tears because I cut him down so bad in front of everybody that he wanted to kick my rear. And I suddenly realized that if you love the quarrel, you must also love sin. Some of y'all just like to fight because you like to make up, but that's a different story. But if you love to quarrel, if you harbor a grudge, you think of, this is not my notes, I'm just giving you this for free. You think about this. If, if you've got a grudge in your heart that you've been holding for, for a decade, you've fallen in love with that grudge because nobody would choose to live like that, so you must love that. It's, it's, it's brought sickness into your life. It's brought pain into your life. You can't even think about them without crying. You can't think about them without wanting to retaliate. You must love that thing. And Solomon said, if you love that, then you must also love sin. So we've got to fix our feuds. Matthew makes it clear. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 25. I'm going to read it to you. We've talked about this before, but I'm going to keep hammering it until we get it. This is how, this is Jesus talking. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and 
if you come to church on Sunday morning to Passion Church and you're about to worship, you're about to make an offering, this is just Jesus standing right here talking. He's talking, this is not me, I'm just reading his words. I'm adding passion and I'm adding what we do, but it's the, if you enter passion and you're about to worship, because when you sing, you're worshiping, and when you give an offering, you're worshiping. And you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Stop singing. Stop giving in the offering. Stop ushing. Stop greeting. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Oh, I got a move, man. I got, I, I'm going to make the first move. I got it, man. He's going to say something to me, and I got the, that's not the kind of move he's talking about. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you, leave, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even in jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. So we got to fix feuds. May I say to you this morning that I'm convinced that some of you keep trying to address things with God that you must first address with man. Can I submit to you this morning that for many of you, you are dealing with silent moments in your spiritual life. And heaven isn't silent to you because God can't hear. Heaven is silent because you're talking to the wrong person. When my wife talks and asks questions that I don't know the answer to. I often remain silent because she's asking me, but she's not really asking me. She's asking, y'all get it? Why would I respond when I, why would God respond to you when you're talking to him about stuff that you should be addressing with the people sitting around you? Fix your feuds. Make the first move. Some of you are going to literally leave today and you're going to have to go inform some folks that you've been feuding with them. They don't know it. You never told them. But behind the scenes, you are at war with them and you can pray about that until you die and go to, I hope you go to heaven. But, but you can pray and pray and pray and beg God, please God, give me peace. Please, God, bless me. Peace, God, give me comfort. And you can keep addressing heaven, and he will never respond. Because you're talking to the wrong folks. Some of you got some folks that you need to go look up. You hadn't talked to them in decades because you hate them. And some of you got folks sitting next to you right now that you need to deal with because even though they're not aware of it, you've been at war with them. Solomon says, God hates it when we behave like that.
So here it is. I, I'm just going to put it out here. Calling all pot stirrers. Some of y'all don't even have a clue. Calling all of you that like to keep things kind of stirred up just a little bit. If there's no drama, I'll create some drama. We don't need your drama. Examine your motivations. Why do you go on the attack? Why do you fan the flame? Why do you say what you say? Because the squeaking wheel gets the grease and because, because I have the right to fight for my right. Hogwash. You have the right to fight for peace. You have a mandate. Soft answers turn away wrath. Some of y'all would, I'm, I'm doing a marriage seminar right here, and we're not even at the retreat yet. Some of y'all would have such a better re relationship if you would quit feuding and find peace. Get off God's blacklist. Fix your keys. Father, this morning, this is a tough assignment. Most of us have learned to harbor hate and gravitate towards our grudges. We just won't give them up. In fact, we fight for our grudges. You don't know what they did to me. They divorced me. They walked out on me. They talked bad about me. They assassinated my character. They treated my children wrong. They lied about me. They hurt me. They stole from me. They caused me to cry myself to sleep for six months. You just don't know. You don't understand. And so we fight, and we fight, and we fight. But this morning, I pray that we would learn that life is so much better. when we learn to live in peace. And God, I don't diminish that it is work. There are folks I have to work to get along with. Their personality grates me. Their, the way they do things drives me nuts. But that still doesn't let me off the hook pray that you would put us back to work. I pray for folks under the sound of my voice that are in a feud with someone at home, in a feud with someone at work, at school. I pray for anyone in this church that's feuding, whether the other person knows it or not. I pray that we would do hard, hard work. And we would deal with our own insecurities first. And then we would quit praying about things that we need to deal with around us. And so, Father, this is how I pray we would end today because I know this is an uncomfortable topic and not the easiest to deal with. I pray in this very moment, faces would begin to flash through our minds.
people that hurt us, people that made us angry, people we don't like. And I pray that those faces would continue to flash. I pray we can get away from it. I pray we will not be able to escape. When we try to throw our hands up and worship, I pray their face would flash before us. When we go to pray, before we go to bed in the evening or before we get to work in the morning, we begin to pray and ask you about our day. I pray that it would be like our prayers would bounce against the ceiling and that face would flash and that face would flash. And, that face. and then I pray that we would take the steps necessary. We'd write the letter. We would send the email. We would private message on Facebook. We would face-to-face. We'd make the phone call. And whether they ever change their attitude or whether they ever say, I'm sorry, we would get it right so that when we come to worship and we raise our hands, there's a clear line of communication between you and us. I come against and I call out every grudge harbored in this place and we destroy it in the name of Jesus but I cannot pray us out of something that we must take steps to resolve so I pray that you give us the guts and the courage to do what we need to do and so Father this morning as we sung we give ourselves away all that I am is yours no off limits. God, I'm praying. Man, I feel this. God, I'm praying for some folks in this room that their spouse walked away from them. I can't understand the depth of that pain. And because of it, they're bruised and they're battered in their soul. And they're not sure they'll ever get over it. And without even meaning to, the pain has caused a root of discontent and bitterness. I pray in this moment right now you would do a healing on their heart and bring them to the place. Bring them to the place where they're willing not only to let go of that hurt and that pain and that destruction, but they are also willing to step out and offer forgiveness. I ask you to do This is where I want us to end in just a few moments of silence as Kim keeps playing. Would you just sit there and let that video of people play across your mind? And would you make a game plan? This is how I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to contact them and walk through that. And then Tari will come and close us out. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.